0: Oh, it's so good to see you today. Oh, it's really good to see you. Today we're going to start a new uh, message series, and we are going to talk about being a disciple and what the implications of everything that Jesus did on the cross for our lives. But what is a disciple? If you have a Bible, I'm going to turn with you to Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, which... You could probably quote, and you have been quoting it uh, for a while. But if you're a guest here, then uh, let me read you some words of Jesus, if you haven't got a Bible with you. This is Jesus' words. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Jesus is saying, it's like, you know, like one of those yokes that you put on a a beast of burden or an ox or something like that. He's saying, take some weight on you. Take some weight. Uh, Receive a restriction. You know, we often talk about Jesus sets you free, but he's saying here, uh, put your life into a restriction. Uh, You know, partner up with me. Go in a direction. Go in a direction. And he says, take my yoke upon you. Do you notice that he doesn't say, I'm going to place my yoke on you. Notice that he doesn't say, this is going to be forced on you. This is... An invitation for you to shape your life in a particular way. It's not a forcing thing. And then he says, and learn of me. There's something for you to receive. In this whole month, we're going to talk about discipleship. But in a sense, what I want to do is begin... To shape, even those of you who've got mature thinking about it, is so so that you can break through into something new. Jesus says this, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart and you will find rest for your soul. When we often talk about discipleship, we often start off about the cross and the commitment. And that is is right and appropriate. But I want you to hear something today. That Jesus is inviting you to come into a life where you receive strength. Where you receive something from Him. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light." Often the Christian life is difficult, but here Jesus is saying, Look, I want you to bring your life under something, and you're going to receive something. I read a story about a a guy, he's called uh, Larry Walters, and he was a truck driver in 1982. Larry came up with an idea that got him into quite a lot of trouble. He decided that he wanted to look at his neighborhood in a different way. And so what happened was, is that he got weather balloons. And it was quite, weather balloons can be quite big and robust because they send them up into the atmosphere to record uh, storms and so on. Well, Larry thought it would be a good idea to tie some weather balloons to his garden chair and his idea was that if he tied the weather balloons to his garden chair, that he would float up and he could look around his neighborhood. And what he did was he had a six-pack of beer, just to, in case he got thirsty, because this has happened in, in Los Angeles, so it was quite warm. He had a six-pack of beer, and he had an air rifle, or the Americans call it a BB gun. And his idea was that when he would floated up, he'd shoot some balloons and then he'd float back down gently to the earth. What Larry uh, kind of underestimated was, is that he bought 75 weather balloons and filled them all up, tied them to his garden chair, tied it to his truck and his friend. He said, now when I'm all seated down, let the, cut the string and I'll just gently float up. He cut the string and he shot 2,000 feet into the air. It frightened him so much that he started to panic that he drank the beer. And actually, he passed out and he woke up at 16,000 feet into the air on his garden chair. The unusual thing why we know this incident is an aeroplane went by and radioed uh, LAX airport and said there's an unidentified flying object. The, the, the tower, this is a true story, you can Google it, don't Google it now, Okay. Don't Google it now, just Instagram and tweet and whatever you do, but, and listen at the same time, but don't Google it. But this is a true story, you can Google it. The tower radioed back and said, what does the unidentified object look like? The pilot radios back and says, uh, looks like a man in a garden chair with a rifle. The tower radioed back and said, are you okay up there in the aeroplane? Eventually, they scrambled the U.S. Air Force and uh, through certain maneuvers and him shooting some balloons, but then causing a downdraft, he actually, they got him down onto the ground. And they said to him, Larry, why, why did you do this? And this is what he said. And this is what we are saying in our hearts. He said, I wanted to see my neighborhood from a different perspective and I was tired of just sitting around. And sometimes as, as people in life, people as, as Christians, we, we, we're just thinking, uh, is everything we're doing, all the things that we're inputting in, is it changing anything? Can I get a different perspective? And in life, some of us are thinking, I, I'm just tired of the same old things. I'm tired of just the routine. I'm tired of sitting in my chair. Leon mentioned it earlier about driving to church, but when, when you first started to drive, it was like you were really nervous. I remember when I learned how to drive, I learned how to drive in the United States. I gripped the wheel so tight that I had to go to the doctor to have neck uh, massages and things. I was so nervous about driving. And, uh, you know, I, but then after a while you just relax because you go up a level, don't you? Today, I just wonder whether I could invite you to go up a level in your sense of discipleship. You see, we have a modern dilemma. And the dilemma is this that we all kind of think that there's something else, that we're missing out on something. That actually we're not quite at the right place. And that even though it's appropriate to progress, even though it's, it's fine that we, that we want to increase in our careers and so on, but there's something restless in our hearts about surely there's something more. And this is where the invitation of Jesus is a healing thing. This is where the invitation of Jesus becomes healing. Ministry into our souls because when he says, Follow me, or take my yoke upon you, and become a learner, it's not a striving thing, it's not a thing whereby you have to, you know, pass the next exam. In fact, he says, You will find rest by putting your life in this weight in this restriction you will find something more than you've got now you will find rest a disciple of Jesus is a Jesus apprentice it seeks to be like him in his character in his mission in in his ways we seek to be pattern our lives after him but before you just think oh isn't a disciple of Jesus a very enthusiastic Christian who just kind of knows lots of facts about Jesus who wants to know as much about Jesus as possible we need to understand the picture here it's a partnership it's a putting on a yoke making a commitment so that your life Follows his life. If he zigs, you zig. If he zags, you zag. If he moves to that side, you move to that side. Because you're yoked. You're partnered. You're attached. You're committed to him. It's more than just knowing a lot about him. And you know this, don't you? But let's understand the picture even deeper, that as you pattern your life and model your life after him, this life has an entry point, and the entry point is that you believe him, that you rest on him and put your trust on him. He said this in John chapter 11, Jesus said to a woman who was asking him there, he said, I'm the resurrection and the life, and the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then he says, do you believe this? You see, entering into discipleship is a step of faith and belief. And I just wonder today whether you're here and you, you do kind of assent to Jesus or you agree with Jesus, but have you trusted him? Have you put your faith in Him? Because that's the entry point to discipleship. A A disciple is a follower. Jesus said in John 13, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. You follow His example. You follow Him. You pattern your life around Him. And at some point... As a disciple, we need to show that when we put the weight of his life upon us, at some point he invites us to be baptized. In fact, Peter, speaking to a much larger crowd than this, said, Repent, every one of you, change your mind, and be baptized in the name or into the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you'll get something. You'll receive the Holy Spirit. So I want to say to you today, if you're here today and you haven't been baptized in water, perhaps your parents, they christened you or they baptized you as a baby. And that was a good thing and we honor that. They they were doing a godly thing in your life. They were hoping and wishing and praying over your life that your life would come to good ends. And they were trying to connect you to God in early things. But that was their Decision, not your decision. And discipleship is about your personal decision. And so, you need to be baptized for you by you. You need to become closer to Jesus by saying, God, I'm identifying with you and I will be baptized in water because it's my decision. Christening is really good. And we're not saying anything against that. But it comes a time when you have to say, this is me. And I'm giving my life to you. Now, for many of you who've been a Christian for a while, you're saying, Oh, Pastor Mark, yeah, I've believed. Yeah, I I have I've said I'm following Jesus. Yeah, I've I've baptized I've I've been baptized, tick, tick, tick. I am following the Lord, so I'm there. And what I've noticed with Christians is, is that they get to a level and they walk around discipleship. And, and actually, what, what I believe today can be a breakthrough day, because one of the real issues of discipleship is, is that we get to a level of discipleship, we walk around it for a while, and we never deal with some core issues in our lives. And then we look over to that ministry or that conference and that conference and we don't deal with those core issues and we walk over to there, we walk over to there and we are actually walking around instead of breaking through to another level in discipleship. And so I just want to kind of get with you today And and kind of as your pastor and shepherd is to say, hey, this could be a breakthrough Sunday. If you begin to say, I am going to put that core issue that's held me back, I'm putting that to Jesus today because I want to move into a deeper level of discipleship. You might have an embedded belief that if you challenge it, it may be painful but God could move you to a new level of discipleship. When I talk about levels today, though, it's not like a judo. Anybody do judo here today? You know, where, what do you get? Like you start off with a white belt, and then a green belt, or a yellow belt, and then a brown belt. You know, wha, wha. Yeah. You, know, you, you, know you just go off a level. I wish I was a black belt in prayer. Take that, Jesus. Oh, actually. Take that, devil. Just knock the demon's eyes out. I wish I was all that. But you know, discipleship's not like that. It's actually not, oh, I've done this bit, and then I'm going up to that level, and then I'm getting my red belt and my black belt in Jesus. It's not like that. It's actually Jesus saying to you. I'm going to come around here so I'm preaching to this side. It's Jesus saying to you, come closer. Come closer. It's actually Jesus saying, come. Come nearer to me. It's not about levels and judo belts. It's about Jesus coming close to your heart and saying, Can you hear me? Come near me. And you see, for those of you who are older Christians, you can do the church stuff, but can you hear Jesus saying, Come? Come near me. Let me talk to you about four levels of discipleship today. The first level that is, is that Jesus says, Come and see. In John chapter 1, verse 39, he said to two disciples there, Come, he replied, and and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. You see, he invited them, said, come and check me out. Come and bring your questions. Come and bring the things that you don't understand. Come, let's spend, and let's come to an authentic place where you can make an honest commitment. Where you can lay out all your questions. You can come and see. You see, even after his resurrection, he was so kind. Because there was a person called Thomas. I call him Thomas the questioner more than the doubter. Although he did doubt. And he said, Thomas, come and handle me. Come and feel it. If you need to feel it, blessed are those who believe, who who haven't seen me. But Thomas, come and see. And I want to say to you today, if you're checking out Jesus, if you've got some honest questions Ask them. Say them. And he will speak to you. He'll use the church. He'll use teachers. He'll use friends. But he'll also speak to you as well. Because your questions and your honest hang-ups are important to him. Actually, can I say a pastoral word to those people who grew up in the church? Some of you were brought up and it's wonderful that you have stuck with it. And you've got the faith passed on from your parents But you know, sometimes what happens is you miss out the come and see. You you don't ask the questions because you just believe everything your parents have told you and you're just here. But actually, it's important that if you grew up in church, that you begin to say, I want to check you out for myself. I want to prove you for myself. Jesus says, come and see. He's okay with your questions. But the second invitation or the second level of discipleship is, he says, come and follow. In Matthew 4.19, he said to Peter, follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once, they left their nets and followed him. He said, you can come and follow me and I've got purpose for your life. I've got something that I can make your life out of and I can pattern your life. Again, in Matthew chapter 9, he he talked to a tax collector. Uh, And I said in the first service, he was a tax collector. You know, he probably had a mobile phone or something, but uh, he didn't get that joke. It's not even a joke. It's just a slip of the tongue. So, you know, why am I even mentioning it? Anyway, he said to Matthew, the tax collector, he said, Matthew, follow me. And in the Greek, it says that Matthew got up from the from the table and followed Him. In the Greek, the word is Anastasia. Matthew, Anastasia. He means He rose up. A bit like Jesus had a resurrection. Matthew at that moment said, I am changing my life. I am patterning my life after something and I am following. I am going in a different direction. You see, there has to be a decision to follow. You have to say to yourself... This teaching of Jesus, this life of Jesus, this is my pattern now. This is all this is where I take my direction. You learn his teaching and pattern your life after his ways. As you start learning, He gives you some things to do. But the important thing is, He says, come and follow. And your decision is to say, this isn't just something I do now and again. I pattern my life after Jesus. In fact, what would Jesus do becomes the defining question in my life. And many of you may struggle in your discipleship because you haven't come to the question that says... I want to, uh, the, the conclusion that says, I want to pattern my life after you, Christ. I want to follow you. This is my life now. Jesus is not a hobby on the side. This is the following. I'm patterning. I'm organizing my life around your teaching. I'm organizing my thinking around who you are. For many of us, we do, we love this person, we love that person, we love this thing, we've got this thing, and then, okay, Jesus is off to the side. But Jesus is saying, no, if you follow me, everything is organized around me. I am the central figure in your life. That's discipleship. And I fear that what's happened and what happens for uh, particularly us as older Christians who get really busy. We do the church thing, we do the the family thing, we do the raising the kids things, and then we do the grandchildren thing. And everything but Jesus gets time, but Jesus gets squeezed out because we don't organize our lives around him. Because we can say all the right things. But Jesus today would stand before each one of us and say, Follow me. Organize your life around me. The third level of discipleship is he says, Come and do things with me. He says in, in Matthew ten, sixteen he says, I am sending you out like sheep and wolves amongst wolves, and therefore be as shrewd as snakes and be as innocent as doves. Don't be gullible, but have a pure heart. But I'm sending you out to do something. And what he wants to do is he wants you to share his heart. Before you do anything, did you notice he says, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. And then he doesn't say, okay, and then this is what we're going to do. And then he goes back to what his heart is like. Before you do anything, he wants to share his heart with you. He says, I'm gentle, I'm humble in heart. So before you think about, well, what shall I do for you, Jesus? Why don't you ask, so God, what's your heart like? What's your heart like for this person? What's your heart like for this city? What's your heart like for my family and the people around me? And then he'll direct you on what to do. You know, we've heard about food bank today. You know that our food bank started because Kathy and I met someone who was, who was kind of diving in a, in a fountain. Diving for just one pound, and we fished him out of there and dried him off, gave him something to, to uh, eat, and that's actually how our food bank began. Because we we found God's heart for somebody. See, before you do anything, you've got to say, "What's your heart, Lord?" And then before you do anything, you said, "Wait." Because I want to give you some power. I want to fill you with my power so that you don't have to struggle about doing things. You see, this whole thing about discipleship is, first of all, he wants to invest you with resources before you do things. I wonder if you could look at people and say, God, what's your heart for them? He wants to share his heart. He wants to share his power. And then he wants you to know that he has a mission in this world. That it really is about doing things, and your life has some important things to do on that mission. But we're really busy, aren't we? And one of the things I've noticed about uh, us as Christians is that time seems to be our biggest enemy. That actually we, we, we think, well, well, Jesus, I've got to do this, this and this, and when I can fit you in, I will do something. And everything, you know, if I've got this appointment and that appointment, and everything but you, Jesus, and when I've got time, then I'll do something for you. Well, actually, the answer to that is we serve Jesus with all of our time. And that even though you're really busy, you should be serving Jesus in that time anyway. But can I just say to you, for you to be a real disciple of Jesus, it's going to take what I call some sacred time. Some dedicated time. And there will be a practical thing that you could do is look through your time and say, do I really need to do everything that I'm doing? Because I'm not doing anything for Jesus. And I know this is kind of strong preaching, but what I want to say to you is, what is your time? See, Jesus calls us and says, come and see." Come and check me out. Jesus calls to you and says, Come and follow me. Come and organize your life around me. Don't let me be just a hobby or something you do on the side. And then Jesus says, Come and let's do some things together. Share my heart about that. Share my power about that. Share my mission. We've got some things to do. But then Jesus says, In John chapter 15, and if you've got a Bible and you want to turn there, John 15, first four verses, but then I want to take you to verse 15 as well. Jesus says, remain in me. We've taken communion today, but he's inviting us to commune with him. Jesus' words are this Remain in me and I also remain in you No branch can bear fruit by itself It must remain in the vine And neither can you bear fruit Unless you remain in me and, and many of us have taught And it's right teaching That when you remain in Jesus Or have communion with Jesus Then you become the most fruitful In fact, this is a biblical principle At work, as you work hard, you will get rewards. In Christianity, as you receive, then you become fruitful. And it's kind of opposite. And it's as you receive, actually you become the most active for Jesus. So here's a a little conclusion. And, And I'm being strong in my preaching today. Because I want to be a pastor to you. I wonder, for those people who are inactive in Jesus, how much they're actually receiving of Jesus. Because when you remain in Him, you bear fruit. But we teach that, that, and that's right teaching, but I want to take you down to something. Have a look at verse 15. Because there's a real reason why we should remain in Him that's, that's really important. Verse 15 says, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. For everything I learned from the Father, I've made known to you. In, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 17, Jesus was talking to Peter after his great confession. And he said, Blessed are you, Simon son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven God wants to share some things in your thinking and download some secrets into your heart. Matthew 13 verse 11 says, because the knowledge and the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you. He says, come, remain in me because He wants to share some things with you. Did you ever take an exam when you were growing up? Or some of you were already taking exams, you know. I was in Bible college one time and we had this take away test and we took it to our rooms and now you need to understand i was in bible college you know the holy place where ministers are trained and we're all ministers you don't seem impressed by that at all okay i mean we used to walk down the halls and angels would escort us to our bed and took us in at night do you believe this You know, and it was just a holy place. Well, we had this take home test. I walked in my room and my friend was looking at all my answers. He was thinking, Well, I thought this was Bible college. So I just gave him the answers because they were all wrong anyway, so you know. (laughs) But have you ever been taking a test in school and you know you're you're kinda writing things down and then you notice the person next to you is looking over at your paper. Has that happened to you? Or were you the one who was looking over at the paper? <laughs> and, and like the person who you were looking over to, or being looked, I don't know which one you are, you kind of went like this. Mm-hmm. And just covered up your paper. See, some of you have even done that this week. Have you been on the tube? You know, on a bus or something. I do this, I'm so nosy. You know, somebody's reading a book on the bus, I go, oh, not I?" Try and have a little look over. Now, because my eyesight's not that good, you have to see I'm really looking over and they're going, "Who's this guy? (laughs) Well, you know, do you read somebody's paper when they've got it on the tube and you're reading the front and you think, oh, don't turn over yet. I was just reading that. (laughs) Do you do that? I do that all the time. Jesus is not like that. Jesus doesn't try and keep something from you. It isn't like that with Jesus that you're looking over His shoulder and He's trying to hide something from you and just give you the scraps of His knowledge. Jesus wants to share secrets and knowledge of how He operates in the kingdom with you. He, He wants to take things from his heart and say you see that person over there I need you to talk to them because this is what's going on with them you see the reason why we remain in him because he wants to share things with you you see and if you're not that committed to him he can't do that Kathy just just kind of join with me if you will you know that, Kathy, for those of you new, this is my wife here, Kathy. It's not some random woman out of the audience, okay? <laughs> but we are yoked together. But you see, when Jesus yokes himself together with you, you see what he can do is he can whisper in your ear and tell you things. I love you. <laughs> but actually, that's what Jesus does. See, if you don't take up his yoke, how's he going to whisper in your ear? If you, if you say to yourself, no, it's very fine, thank you, Jesus. I've done the church thing. I, I've kind of, you know, baptized, I believe. I kind of go to church. And, but I don't want any other breakthrough. I, I, won't, I don't want to deal with any of my issues. No, I don't want to organize my life around you. How are you going to get close to him so he can whisper to you? Things that you need to hear about your life and about the people that you love. If you stay all the way over here, and you're expecting him to say, Hey, Kathy, you know Paul has got a problem. He's not going to shout that. But he's going to say, because you're close to me, I want you to pray for Paul. So, where are you in your discipleship? Where are you in this level? Is Jesus the razzmatazz of a conference? Or are you sharing his heart? Or you see the need, and he says, I can help you meet that need, I can direct you. What's your level? today. I believe Jesus, thank you. I believe Jesus wants us to come to him. Come. And speaking to everybody, what would Jesus do? It's a defining question for our generation. And he invites you to take up his yoke. It's an invitation. It's an invitation for you to take some weight on your life. To take some restriction actually and say, no, I'm not living the way everybody else lives. I'm patterning my life after you, Lord. It's an invitation for you to say, I want these rails, these restrictions, this, this God. I want to say to you, every one of you, it's really important that you live up to the level that you already are. And you don't just walk around in it, that you actually say, what's my next level? And this is the level. Come closer. Come closer. Because I want to tell you things he'll use scripture he'll use teaching but actually for some of you you've, you've been serving God and, it, and it's almost that, that he's out of reach and he's saying come come closer you've let your schedule get out of control you've let your life and your relationships get out of control now put me back in the centre Come. Shall we stand together? We're going to sing a song as a prayer. If you're a guest here with us, God bless you. We just really appreciate you being here. But just hang with us for the next few minutes because we're going to sing a song that's a prayer. That's a declaration for all of us. Now for some of you. I'm going to invite some of you just to step out of your seat. And say look because this helps me just to walk to the front of the church. And say Jesus I'm coming closer to you. And then some of you might just need general prayer anyway. But let's sing this song as a prayer for all of us. Because I believe the call of discipleship, and we're going to deepen this throughout the month, is come. Hey, here's one. He's already. He doesn't need any music. Anybody else? You just want to say, hey, I'd just like to come closer. If that's you, just step out of your seat now. That's fine. Just come. Just come. It's fine. This is a safe place. Just come. Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, just come. If you want to come closer to Jesus and it helps you just to say, I'm actually physically coming closer, just come. It's fine, just come, just come, it's fine. Come on, guys. Yeah, just come. See, that's all discipleship is. It's this continual coming closer to his heart he's going to point out some things about people and he's going to say hey this is how you can help that person but you've got to come close to it. I've been a Christian for 40 years more than that and I just want to get closer to it. Is anybody else you just want to come you're not admitting it. you're just saying I want to come close to you Jesus hey here's a prayer let's sing this prayer as a congregation and it will be your kind of commitment prayer thanks guys just keep coming if you want. Holy Spirit, lead us up a level in your, your pathway I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Hey, is that your no friend?